whistleblower report exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report from Truth for Health Foundation. This is Dr. Lee for America here with another team of our whistleblowers who are bringing you the truth about the lies, deceptions, and all of the assaults on our way of life, your freedom, and your life. For such a time as this, we are here to bring you truth, hope, and solutions. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org, for medical help, legal help, and all of the other resources. Join us in our Faith Over Fear seminars each Tuesday night via Zoom at 8 o'clock Eastern Time every week. And now, here is your host for today. Welcome, everybody. I'm Major Mike Gary, your host for today's Whistleblower Report, and this is going to be a Southern Border Update segment. And I have with me a great guest and latest member of our Military Advisory Council. It's Master Sergeant, retired that is, Jack Donna. And uh, we thank you for being with us here today. Thank you, Jack. Well, thank you, Major. It's an honor to be here with you. And, uh, you know, hat tip to all of you guys doing all uh, you know, the heavy lifting there with, you know, in the advisory council and working under, you know, Doc Vallette and, you know, Todd Callender. I really appreciate, uh, really appreciate the time. And uh, I think it's important that uh, the work that uh, you guys are doing, and I'm proud to be a part of the organization. And uh, hopefully we can uh, solve the biggest problem was alerting our citizenry, uh, the multiple attacks that are coming at us on multiple fronts endangering our republic yes and we will talk more about that in just a minute but first i want to thank all the truth for health foundation donors we thank you for all your donations that have helped us tremendously with all these legal fights that we've had so our legal recipients are grateful for what you've done over the past couple years and uh, right out of the gate for myself i want to put the disclaimer out there that I'm not operating as a representative of the Department of Defense. And of course, Matt, retired Master Sergeant Jack Donna is not worried about that anymore. And that's a great thing. So as you guys know, I'm a Seaburn officer, chem, bio, rad, nuclear weapons expert, 25 years of service. And it, the last 15 years have been in the hazmat technician field or hazmat uh, Seaburn response field. So uh, with today's guest here, 
uh, Master Sergeant Jack Donna, who has 23 years of enlisted service, and uh, he ended as an intelligence electronic uh, warfare aviation systems repairman. So there's going to be some interesting conversation generated between him and I. Again, we're going to try to keep it mostly focused on the border. But I just wanted to say, uh, note something here really interesting as uh, Dr. Vleek continues to build out the Military Advisory Council. It started with us current military folks who are standing up against the um, these illegal mandates, COVID mandates, that is, particularly the shot mandates. And then she started to transition to uh, retired uh, pilots that were in the airline industry that have jumped on board. And then now we are grabbing retired vets that are down on the southern border who are trying to really fulfill the continue to fulfill the service to this nation and their oath. And it's uh, kind of a unique thing that's going on here. And uh, I am totally glad to be a part of it. But I have always, for the audience out there, I have always seen particularly uh, the ones that are like Generation X and older millennials and those military veterans that are in those uh, age groups that are retired. I've seen them as being a part of the solution of saving this country. And uh, Master Sergeant Jack Donna fits this bill. And there's so many others that I've seen. And the alternative media continues to grow with retired veterans that are still trying to save and service this nation. So, uh, Jack, if you will, would you give us a, a quick bio on uh, your background? And then we'll go in and talk about the border. Okay, thank you. Appreciate the time. Uh, my name is Jack Donna, and um, I'm a retired master sergeant. Like you said, uh, I spent roughly four decades in the intelligence community, but I didn't start out that uh, in in the army. I actually started out uh, in the United States Air Force. So uh, now I'll to that. Uh, my family is uh, I'm the my, myself and my brothers are the first generation born here in the United States. Uh, my my parents both immigrants. My father. Uh, escaped the country that went communist, uh, Nicaragua. And uh, he, for three years, uh, fought in the Korean War, did three tours in Vietnam. And um, when he was, uh, when he was wounded in Vietnam, that's uh, how he met my, my mother. My mother was a plantation worker in Hawaii. And back then, if you were a uh, girl and you wanted to get off the plantation picking fruit, you found yourself a military man. So mm -hmm. in walked my dad on uh, into the USO and he met my mom and the rest, as they say, is history. So I started out and he uh, followed in my father's foot, foot, footpath and uh, joined the Air Force. And I, uh, I started out as a, um, as a uh, plumber and pipe fitter. And in uh, 1984, uh, I was selected by the squadron commander along with another uh, uh, NCO to uh, assist a uh, special installation team that was installing the cooling systems for the uh, intermediate range nuclear missiles that were going into uh, Ramstein Air Base at the time. So we were responsible for World War II uh, hangars and revetments and installing the cooling 
for these uh, for these uh, uh, for these missiles for these uh, missiles. It was at the uh, the site was called NWSA Nuclear Weapon Storage Area, hmm. and uh, what I didn't realize was that uh, uh, because of my father's background, who also worked in intelligence, uh, I had clearance level to be able to do that. So that's how I got started in actually in the intelligence community. Um, after I uh, I left the Air Force, I went into the reserves and didn't like that too much. So I decided to uh, enlist in the army. I enlisted in the army in 1988. And uh, during my tenure in the army, I, uh, I was a uh, my my secondary was uh, combat infantryman. I was a 60 gunner. And my primary MOS was uh, intelligence, electronic warfare, aviation systems repairer. Uh, I primarily specialized in uh, aviation platforms. But as my career progressed, I uh, branched off into strategic systems. And uh, in uh, 1997, I was uh, hand-selected by the uh, National Cryptologic School, which is a division of the National Security Agency, to uh, stand up a uh, NSA training cell on Fort Huachuca under the uh, control of uh, Linthicum, Maryland, NSA at Linthicum, Maryland. So I worked for them five years, and uh, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, I retired in 2005. I, uh, after I retired, I went to work for the Department of Defense as a defense contractor, worked for a few companies, um, got a lot of uh, deployed with, deployed and embedded with uh, the Marines, uh, the Air Force. Uh, my final uh, stint was uh, actually working on uh, two surveillance ships, the uh, USNS Observation Island and the U.S. NS Invincible, which were missile missile tracking systems, basically um, uh, monitoring uh, systems. Uh, I hold multiple certifications. Uh, I'm a fellow with Sun Microsystems, and I was uh, I had the privilege and honor of being inducted into the U.S. Army uh, U.S. Army Intelligence Hall of Fame in 2002 as a recipient. So it's been a good career, um, you know, due to health reasons, uh, mainly due to my lungs, things that I was exposed with uh, in the Middle East, in Iraq and Afghanistan. I finally had to hang up my boots. And so uh, why, am I, why am I in this fight? Well, I'm in this fight because uh, in November of 2020, uh, everything changed. It was no longer, there was no longer any veil over my eyes anymore. I saw exactly what had happened, how it took place. And I think Major, you can uh, relate to this, you know, and I tell this to every every veteran and every active duty, I tell them, you're, you're, there is no expiration on your oath. And we as citizens of the United States, we have a responsibility and we have a duty to question and challenge our government at all levels. We are not supposed to be afraid of our government. Our government is supposed to be afraid of us. And, you know, as anyone can see over the past two and a half, three years, well, it's three years since the November 20th steal, there's been a lot of bad things going on. And it's time for veterans. Active. And that's why I'm here. And I'm glad to be a part of the team. 
That's out. That's outstanding. Uh, th- I think we're going to see more and more of this as the veil comes off people's faces and they actually see what's going on. I think uh, some are just waiting to find uh, the veterans that are doing something to join them. So this is totally inspiring. And uh, as a veteran, retired, uh, you know, there's certain things that we've been a part of in the military, certain (laughs) things that we've seen (laughs) and experienced, and we know how the government operates. So the stories uh, or the messages that we're trying to convey are very serious because we've seen things that have been totally wrong at times. That is not to, uh, you know, slight our service or or for the fact we know we're signing up for very dangerous jobs. But certainly uh, when it comes to legalities of laws, for example, uh, you know, EUA products, emergency use authorization products, uh, being forced into veins, uh, that's that's not a good thing. That's breaking the law, as we've talked about on so many past programs. But w- what I'm trying to highlight here is you have a man that has dealt with the most secret of systems in the military and has seen things. So he can't speak about some of those things, but he's seen the way these things are handled and he's coming from a place of experience, just like I do from the Seaburn side of things. Okay, Master or Jack, yeah. do you mind? <laughs> it's hard for me because I have such respect for the enlisted. And there's a current theme going on that I'd like to share with everybody as I see more and more military types or even FBI uh, types come out. <laughs> the ones that were whistleblowers, not it's not 100%, but most of them had an enlisted background. So that is true of me. I started off as an enlisted man. I did three or four years and I had uh, a senior NCO, non-commissioned officer, grab a hold of me and say, you know what? We need you as one of our officers. You need to become a leader, skip over the NCO side, and we need good people like you. So anyway, it was people like uh, Jack that, you know, found me and made good. The 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 Mustangs, the Mustangs make the best officers. Amen to that. Okay, so I just I just wanted to put that out there. It is a theme that's uh, building across the um, the whistleblower side of things, especially uh, these FBI officers, whistleblowers that we see. They were so mistreated. But anyway, moving on, Jack, would you give us an update with the current things that you're learning on the southern border? And just so the audience knows, you you may have heard him on previous programs, but you are from the state of Arizona, so you it's in your backyard. Yes, um, I live in Cochise County, and my residence is about 17, 17 minutes drive to the actual physical border. Uh, probably, probably about 20 miles from the, the Naco border crossing. Uh, my wife has uh, family members that are members of the Border Patrol, and, uh, you know, they talk. And um, so th- the reason why I I got very, very concerned about what's going on with the border was um, I wrote an article last year in regards to uh, the, the the vast amount of fighting age males that were that were crossing over um, and. Um, uh a little bit of a, a little bit of a background on what you were saying about uh, you know the jab and everything. Uh, how how I came in contact with Dr. Lee was uh, I was the I was 
Dr. Sam Sigaloff was actually my physician on Fort Huachuca. And uh, so I mentioned to him about a lot of the things that, that I was hearing and I was seeing. And so we formed a, uh, a think tank uh, of sorts. Uh, it's called Conrad. And so we started monitoring a lot of this stuff. We started establishing relationships with the various sheriffs. Uh, I'm good friends with Sheriff Mark Daniels of Cochise County. And um, I also know Sheriff Wilmot of Yuma County. So to give a background to what's going on in the state of Arizona, uh, the, the first thing that I, I think that people need to understand is that uh, the last line of defense right now that we have in our state is the uh, Arizona Sheriff's Association. Now, there are 15 counties in the state of Arizona. Of those 15 counties, uh, 13 of them are members of the Arizona Sheriff's Association. There are two counties, however, where the sheriffs were uh, ejected from the Arizona Sheriff's Association for uh, suspicion of possible uh, immoral, unethical, or illegal activity. And those two sheriffs were Sheriff uh, Hathaway of Santa Cruz County, that's a border county, and Sheriff Manos of Pima County, that's Tucson, that's also a, a border county. So that being said, those two counties absolutely do not participate in any type of uh, border security. Uh, they are they are firmly and have gone on the record as saying there's no issue, there's no problem. Uh, there's no, there's these are refugee seekers. So when I when I go on to 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 describe what's going on, it, the the picture will come clearer. So our think tank began to be get began to get concerned because we started to see uh, weapons of war uh, from the Ukrainian war beginning to wash up on. Uh, on the other side of the southern border. We were seeing videos uh, that were uh, coming from uh, credible sources and uh, they depicted um, AT4s, which is, a, which is a, you know, those of you that know it's a shoulder fire weapon that can take out our, it can take out an armor personnel carrier very easily. Uh, we saw RPG-7s, uh, various and assorted machine guns. All of this stuff is all you know, the videos depict them, they look brand new. Uh, and so we raised the issue to Sheriff Daniels. And Sheriff Daniels gave me the contact inform information for uh, Congressman Juan Siscomani, which is the Congressional District 6 congressman. And to make a long story short, he had no clue didn't know what an AT4 was, had no idea, had no idea of what the threat was. So, and um, so working with um, Sheriff Daniels, uh, he, he was able to provide me a lot of information. And uh, most recently he invited me to a, uh, a private uh, uh, press conference to announce Operation Safe Streets 2. Now what this is, is basically the Western Sheriff's Association, which comprises all of the Western states, they have uh, a program similar to what was in Vietnam called Broken Arrow. So if a, a sheriff in a particular county in the Western states, you know, sounds the alert, the other sheriffs within the Western Sheriff's Association 
will send and surge their law enforcement in. So what happened was uh, Sheriff Daniels said enough is enough, and he sounded the alarm. And so uh, to, to, to stop the, the track trafficking, the drug trafficking was the big thing, and the human trafficking and the child trafficking uh, uh, that was occurring along the border. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to report to your listening audience that the program is working in Cochise County and in Yuma County. That would be Sheriff Daniels' county and Sheriff Leon Wilmot of Yuma County. The two military installations are there, incident, incidentally. Fort Huachuca is in Cochise County and, uh, and the Yuma Proving Ground is in Yuma County. But so so we're we're having sheriffs and other law enforcement and DPS surging into this area. Uh, Cochise County in particular went from five members of the border contact team to 35. So they've significantly increased. What has been the result? The result has been the numbers are going down. They are starting to trend down. However, here is the issue. You have Pima County and you have Santa Cruz County where law enforcement will not participate. They're refusing to participate. And then you have Pima County with the Tahona Indian Reservation, which the reservation elders have basically said, open it wide open. So you have Pima County and you have uh, Santa Cruz County uh, and, and they're wide open. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say that, but... Uh, Case in point, last week, uh, there was one border checkpoint that had 1,500, 1,200 to 1,500 illegals, and there were only three border patrol agents to manage those three people. So it's, 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 kind of, it's kind of odd because if you speak to the residents of this county and you speak to the residents of Munich, we're not seeing the chaos. It's going around us. But to speak to what you were saying earlier, Major, and to, to kind of close the loop on this, everyone is going to feel the pain from Maine to Washington State. I mean, all of the contiguous states, the 40, even, even Alaska will begin to feel the pain because uh, they're going around us. They're coming into other areas in Texas. Uh, the New Mexico sector of uh, Lordsburg, it's my understanding, is, is wide open. So, um, and they're headed north. They, they are not, what, what I was told by a border patrol captain is that they're not staying here. They're not staying in Tucson and they're not staying in Phoenix. They're headed north. Now, predominantly right now, they're headed to, they're asking to go to New York. They're asking to go to Chicago, California. But those places are, 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 are they're coming to the breaking point. So much so that I'm reading, starting to read reports that, some of these illegals are saying, hey, we want to go home. We didn't sign up for this. They're actually in Chicago or New York. They're actually, actually asking for tickets to go home. But the concern that I have um, with uh, the issues that we brought before the congressman and to Sheriff Daniels is, uh, these weapons that are showing up, these weapons of war that are showing up on the uh, on the southern border, uh, you know, it, it could be very, very dangerous if if a scenario breaks out like what happened in Israel. God forbid. But, you know, uh, if the cartels were to decide to come over the line 
just like Hamas decided to come over the line, you know, or if the cells were to decide to, because they are here. I mean, every every news agency is saying that now. Hamas, Hezbollah. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, if I could tell you this story real quick, I have a friend of mine who uh, owns some property in California, and uh, he uh, was driving through a, a past a field one day and saw some migrant workers, and you know he's a veteran, and he decided to pull over and go talk to them. So he went and spoke to them, and they basically told him, Hamas están aquí, Hezbollah están aquí. That means Spanish for they are here. So this is a concern for everyone. It's going to be a concern for all 50 states. Yeah, well, that's incredibly interesting what you just shared with us. Uh, it sounds to me that the American people need to be fully engaged. Uh, maybe this is something you can answer, uh, Jack, really quick. But it seems to me that uh, the sheriffs in those two counties that you mentioned that are just a wide open hole, they could be voted out of office. Now, do you know how often they go up for re-election, those sheriffs? Is it every two, every four years? Do you know? It's every four years. But here's the problem. I mean, you know, and this is touching on a whole nother area. Um, you know, and, and you know, I, General Flynn is, is I, you know, he communicated this to me personally. I served on him twice in my career. Uh, Arizona is ground zero for election integrity. It is it is ground zero, and anybody who's lived here and seen some of the the shenanigans, the the, the court rulings, the the intimidation by the attorney generals or or some county prosecutors, you know, if you don't ha if you don't have a a secure election system, uh, you can't vote them out. And, you know, I mean, this is this is this is what I'm seeing is exactly what my family experienced in Nicaragua, and it's happened in Cuba. And it's happened in Venezuela. And, you know, once they get a hold of the election system, once they get in, you can't get them out. So, yes, they are supposed to be up for election every four years. But how did how did Nanos get back in? <laughs> Dude, nobody could figure how did he win, but he won. So. Okay. Well, that's very yeah. good information. This is something we're suffering across the nation in many places. So this is a call to action, not only for retired vets, like I was speaking about earlier, but all red-blooded patriots, okay? So you need to find a way to dig into this and spread information and reverse the course of these illegal things, you know, like election thefts. Yeah. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss uh, more of the northern and uh, southern state connection in all this. And uh, we're going to discuss how this is affecting the whole nation. But before we do that, I want you to go to our website, www.truthforhealth.org. That's truthforhealth.org. Check out our resource guides, our COVID treatment guides, our COVID vaccine injury treatment guides, our new uh, supplemental store, uh, and our Faith Over Fear programs. So go to our website, check those things out. And we'll be back after the break. Check out the new Truth For Health store at truthforhealthstore.com. We have exclusive professional formulas 
with exciting new products, including True Mitochondrial Boost that can help improve your energy, memory, focus, and concentration. All of our products are manufactured in certified compliant facility using good manufacturing practices approved and inspected by the FDA. Check us out, www.truthforhealthstore.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the second half of our whistleblower report. And this is a border update from retired Master Sergeant Jack Donna. And uh, we're talking about some really interesting things here, uh, the connections between election thefts and how that affects everybody, the wide open border in certain counties in Arizona. And we were just about to get to uh, what that means for all the states in this nation, to include Alaska. Uh, what I wanted to do is uh, Jack had mentioned before the break, he had mentioned the Israel-Hamas uh, uh, moment that kind of woke up a lot of people. And I can uh, explain this from a, a distinctively northern perspective, or at least this rural state of Maine. When the uh, Israeli-Hamas war kicked off, okay, all of a sudden, people up here in Maine became very aware of all these illegals and who they might be. For example, are they actually Hamas and Hezbollah or other nefarious actors uh, that mean to actually do us harm? So it was quite interesting, even in this rural state, as I was uh, talking with many, particularly old people, and I say old people, I'm talking about baby boomers and up, the older generations who are tied to the mainstream media as their main source of information. So I, I know that they're probably missing key pieces of truth, but even that crowd of people was very aware of uh, what these illegals might mean for them. And I have a story I'd like to share. Uh, I'm going to read from the main wire and it's called this article is called the triad weed, how Chinese marijuana marijuana grows took over rural Maine. Illegal Chinese marijuana grows have taken over much of rural Maine. The government is either incapable or unwilling to do anything about it. The Maine Wire has identified more than 100 properties that are part of a sprawling network of Chinese-owned sites operating as unlicensed, illicit cannabis growing operations in rural Maine. According to an unclassified memo from the Department of Homeland Security obtained by Maine Wire, the illicit, illicit grows are operated by an Asian Transnational Criminal Organizations, or TCOs. Nationwide, there are approximately 749 properties that DHS has linked to Asian TCOs. The leaked memo, which is in the article that will be attached to the story, uh, included a spreadsheet that has not been made public that identified 270 properties within Maine that are actively used by the Chinese in relation to their operations. 
Local, state, county, and federal officials, speaking mostly on the condition of anonymity, have confirmed to Maine Wire that the various law enforcement agencies have known about this foreign network of illicit drug manufacturing distribution for more than two years. Two years. On September 15th, DHS sent uh, the following memo to the Maine law enforcement asking for help gathering intel on the properties, we are requesting a response by state, county, and or local law enforcement officials with any information regarding illegal marijuana grows being operated in their areas by suspected Asian transnational criminal organizations, TCOs. A typical response may include confirmation that this activity is occurring, the number of suspected grows in the area, reports by concerned citizens or local officials relating to the illegal grow or any other information respondents may deem of value. There are hundreds of these operations occurring throughout the state. It's upsetting to those who live near these operations or even those who are following main laws and procedures. Penobscot County Sheriff Troy Morton told uh, the DCNF. Maine's congressional delegation has called upon the Department of Justice to shutter the operation, but Attorney General Merrick Garland has yet to respond in writing. Most of the properties were acquired after Maine legalized the sale of recreational pot in 2020. We did do that. So according to the DHS memos, the sites are operated by Chinese foreign nationals some who are in the U.S. illegally. DHS believes the network earns an estimated total income of $4.37 billion per year, some of which is returned to entities in the People's Republic of China. Okay, so yeah, Maine legalized recreational pot 2020. So again, have these uh, nefarious actors, these TCOs, been contributing to the theft of Maine elections to get certain legislation passed, like recreational marijuana, so they can take over the rural countryside in America? So this story has been easy to generate by uh, Steve Robinson because people are talking up here because they are finally aware that the Arizona border is wide open and it is being funneled up to places like Maine. So I just think this is uh, kind of one of these aha moments. What do you think about that, Jack? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, you know, before this thing really kicked in, and when I say kicked in, I'm talking about, you know, right after Biden, you know, took, you know, you know took the oath of office, uh, uh, you know, this, this, Yes, this was a, it was an issue, but it has really become an issue because people are dying. A lot of our children are dying. You know, the, the way they are, the way they are disgu disguising a lot of these narcotics now, not just marijuana, fentanyl and everything. It's, you know, it, they look like candy. You know, I mean, there are there are accounts here in our state of officers, you know, just popping the trunk on a, on a vehicle. And literally, they collapse because of the fumes, you know, or, you know, the fentanyl that, you know, and they immediately have to have Narcan. But, you know, the 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 big picture about this and, you know, I'm a I, I study history quite a bit and I, I do a lot of reading. And, you know, the the real big picture behind this, this is a centuries long attack on the West, 
particularly the United States. And what I mean by that is if you if if anyone would take a moment to read about the opium wars, if you read about the opium wars, okay, the Western powers, you know, got into it with the Chinese. The Chinese didn't want this stuff there. And the Western powers got into it because, you know, there was a market for it. And it basically crushed the, uh, I can't remember which dynasty it was. It was the, the Chinese were still under the, uh, under the royal uh, uh, imperial rule. But um, the Chinese have long memories. And what they have done in our country with those who are traitors and complicit, okay, what they have done is they have taken the opium wars game plan that was used over 100, 120, 130 years ago and they turn it on us. And people are starting to wake up. That's good. Hope it's not too late. You know, we got we to gotta do something about that border. I mean. Yeah, so the thing about this is that was a really great point that you brought up the opium wars. Now, the way I look at fentanyl is it is a chemical weapon. And, uh, you know, naturally that it can off gas. And that was a great example that you just used, Jack, of uh, the fumes from it made the officer pass out. Hopefully he survived that situation. But we are talking about something that's extremely lethal. If you look at a penny, okay, take uh, Lincoln's head on the penny and you put a drop his nose, like a little white dot on his nose. That's about how much you need to actually possibly overdose, okay, of fentanyl, okay? And what the Chinese are doing, uh, they're incredibly, uh, you know, it's it's such a great weapon. They're very clever in doing this, this war, this chemical war that they're having with us that we don't seem to accept as a war. But what they do is they just add a little different version of the fentanyl. They just change it ever so slightly. So there's hundreds of different, versions of fentanyl they call them analytes of fentanyl out there you know they all have a slightly different potency but it's all really uh potent and dangerous you know it doesn't take much now i might have given you an extreme case with the uh, penny and the dot on the lincoln head uh as being lethal but you know it's all really bad and like uh jack is saying they're they're going further with it and disguising it as candies and and medications and other things, and this is where this is going, you know. And and it's, we know it's an attack. It's an attack, right? An attack. And everybody, like I said, everybody came aware, became aware up here in Maine of military age men, Ch- Chinese and uh, of Middle Eastern descent. All of a sudden, right? Because it's been pouring in over our border so long. And now, why are they here? Well, it looks like they're certainly participating in the almost 300 uh, different locations here in Maine, helping grow this illegal pot. And yes, we have legal recreational marijuana here in Maine, right? Mm -hmm. But they're essentially taking the business away from, you know, business owners here in Maine. And another interesting thing, these are things that people don't think about is marijuana grows, uh, takes so much, they consume so much electricity. So it's really easy to find these places because there's a whole mass of light systems, heat pumps, and naturally the the meter is spinning 
uh, so fast, the electrical meter that is, is spinning so fast. So it's easy to see which properties are actually doing that up here. But see, this is what it means to this country when you leave a couple counties in Arizona wide open. It has a profound effect. And we're finally, Mass Sergeant uh, Jack, I believe we're at a tipping point. I think we're within the year of decision on this matter. What do you think? I believe so. I mean, absolutely. You know, to 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 kind of touch base on what you were talking about as far as these marijuana factories that are that are you know popping up in Maine, and everything. Okay, so um, they're they're using loopholes in the law, okay, to to do this. Now, for for those of you in in the listening listening audience, okay, that have have you know have never it, you know, experienced marijuana use or anything like that. Okay. I was an ADAPSI in the army. It was an alcohol uh, drug administrator for, for, I was at the company level and the battalion level. So they, they educated us about these things. And I'm here to tell you today's marijuana is about seven to 10 times stronger, more potent than it was in the seventies. This is not like your, this is not like your sixties marijuana anymore. This stuff is very, very potent. Now, why do I bring that up? I bring that up because if you can get someone hooked on marijuana, there's all kinds of studies about this causing, it causes psychosis. It causes, at a minimum, it causes you to disengage and disconnect. And that's the long-term plan of the CCP. They, if they can get to our youth, if they can corrupt our youth. Now, I'm 58 years old, okay? I'm not as... I'm not as old as a good major here. <laughs> he said he's still a good major, still a young buck. Okay. <laughs> but we need our young people because the young people are going to be the ones that are going to carry the torch. You know, this is, this is what a nation is all about. And we have to protect our, the vulnerable. And that is our young people and our elderly, you know, and, but mainly if we don't protect the younger generation, okay, there's not enough of me in the major to, to you know, there's not enough of us. We need our youth. We have to protect them. We have to take care of them. So whether it's marijuana, whether it's fentanyl, cocaine, hash, whatever it may be, it's got to stop. And we are at a tipping point. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, you said the key phrase there, complacency kills. You know, yeah. uh, you said it in different terms, but complacency kills. We need to grab our youth, right? You know, younger millennials and younger Gen Zs, particularly. And we need to guide them in what it means to be American and why that's a, a great thing, why this country was great. And we need to establish that in their hearts that this country was set apart as a divine experiment and for the most part america has been a light unto the world and we need to take that torch back that word you used there was so good we need to take the torch back and give it to our youth and actually teach them what it means to be american and and i think we've talked in in past uh discussions about upon what it means to actually take an oath and what kind of a big deal that is in somebody's life and we need to instill this kind of um you know, this kind of honor back into these things like the Pledge of Allegiance 
and the, the singing of our national anthem, we need to take those things back. And certainly we need to take back our history because it yes. is a good history. And uh, comparatively to other nations, we have such a great history. Yes, there's bad moments, there's bad people, but we can't forget about that. In in uh, failure or in uh, bad times, these are also good memories to have so that you don't repeat them. Now, we got about 10 minutes left, Jack. Do you want to touch on, really quickly, you had mentioned about uh, exploiting the holes in the law, and you have done great work in discovering these intergovernmental agreements and uh, what the profound effect do you mind touching that for a few minutes yeah um in uh early 2021 our team began to detect here in arizona that um uh and this was in a court this was in conjunction with all of the draconian uh, were being implemented regarding COVID-19, uh, started to be questions along the lines of, well, wait a minute, who's paying for all of this? They're not raising taxes. Who's paying for all of this? We saw all of these rivers of money coming from the federal government. So at the very, very lowest level, uh, at the county level, they they have what they have, what's emergency agreements. And what these IGAs are, are they are contracts that, the county boards of supervisors or some other state, they call them commissions. Uh, they enter into these agreements with the federal government in exchange for money and resources. What we began to see was that these intergovernmental agency agreements, and I ran a few of these, my attorney himself, are wide open contracts. And what do I mean by wide open contracts? They basically uh, allow to do xyz and any unnamed things in the future and some of the specification uh you know the the terms of the contract included um things like uh non-pharmaceutical interventions non-pharmaceutical interventions are uh cdc hhs lists them as uh forced quarantines forced vaccinations Control of movement, lockdowns, masking, uh, it ran the whole gamut. And uh, we saw that essentially the counties in this state were entering into these open-ended open agreements for the money. So make a long story short, I raised holy bloody hell about it. So did a whole bunch of other people in this state. So much so to the point, in fact, this is how myself and Sheriff Daniels first, um, uh, he actually came to his house, to came to my house with a letter from the county attorney basically saying to the effect that yes, 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 we're taking all this money, but there will be no enforcement of unconstitutional orders in this county. If they try and do this, we'll just give them the money back. So <laughs> I kind of looked at the sheriff and I said, really? You really think that's how it's going to work? If if the president were to declare a national emergency, a pandemic emergency, under this new framework that's being set up by the World Health Organization, it essentially makes Javier Becerra the most powerful man in the country because these IGAs would kick in. The federal government could come into the county, 
And if the sheriff and law enforcement don't don't cooperate, well, you're removed. And so, you know, it's really, really concerning. Now, why is this still an issue? You might ask. Well, the in April, according to Joe Biden. However, we saw in July of this year, eight of the 15 counties in the state of Arizona began re-signing these COVID-19 agreements, IGAs again, with the same draconian wording. Now, the only thing we could think of was they had excess money that they had to allocate before the end of the fiscal year. But here's the thing. These agreements now go to 2025. Think about that. These things are back in effect in eight of the counties to include my county. And, you know, it's 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 something that people that are listening to this in, in your state, you need to look at your county supervisor minutes, what documents they're signing with the federal governments. Are they signing intergovernmental agency agreements? Uh you know, it's 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 a real concern because, uh, you know, Todd Callender's looked at this. My attorneys looked at this. If they were ever implemented, uh, counties essentially lose their autonomy. They, they basically hand over power to the federal government. And I might add, um, that's already in effect in uh, two counties here in uh, in Arizona, in Pima County and Maricopa County. They the, the, the civil rights is a little bit different, but this is the precedent that set the civil rights division of the DOJ, now Maricopa County Sheriff's Office. That goes back to what happened with Sheriff Joe Arpaio, how they 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 got him in uh, in uh, civil rights court and, you know, they, they were able to nail him. And so now the civil rights division of the DOJ runs Maricopa County and runs the um the uh, police department too, and the Phoenix PD. So it's something that that uh, that your listeners, you know, take a moment, go online, look at your county minutes. The keywords to look for are uh, shielding approach, uh, non-pharmaceutical intervention. Um, uh, look up HHS, CDC. WHO, and you'll and if if they're doing that, the wording will be in there. Well, thank you very much, Jack, for that warning. And to all the listeners out there, you have something to do. I mean, what we experienced with COVID was a total reverse paradigm uh, of the from the top down, forcing everybody to do these things, these things being these mandates. And there's no end to it if we let them sign these secret agreements to essentially keep COVID going forever. And that's not how this country was built. This country was built to give the maximum power to the lowest level, which is your towns, counties, so county sheriffs. All you've heard Jack mention is sheriff, sheriff, sheriff. The sheriff is extremely powerful because of his jurisdiction that he has authority over. And we need to claim that. If you're a sheriff out there listening to this program, you need to claim that authority you have. The feds can't come into your county and take over. 
So make sure you're spun up on that if you're not. And for the other civilians out there, make sure you help your sheriffs and enlighten them on specific uh, rules, laws, regulations uh, that guide your state and your counties. That is something you can do. And certainly for the voters out there, if you get a sheriff that's going to leave the border wide open, vote them out and find a way. Uh, just saying that we can't do this, that's not acceptable. You have to find a way. There is always a way to do it. And for those who count votes out there, who actually work in the election offices on election day, you know, those people are extremely important, right? So maybe we should start signing up to be vote counters or part of that process on elections. I'm seeing it more and more here in Maine. So I would uh, say across the nation, we need to do this. As we see, one state on the southern border can affect a northern border state. So let's let's take back our country. And it's all in these simple ways, whether it's uh, reviewing the law and learning the law or just simply going in and being a part of the process of counting votes. These are victories if we can get ourselves back into these process processes and move people that will not do the right thing out okay and that's ultimately what we got to do we got to re remove the corrupt people out of our very good processes it's thank god america has so many checks and balances because most nations would have fallen far before this point so i want to thank the audience out there especially the uh, donors so go sign up to give donations as your donations have helped the, your nation's finest fight many lawsuits and we are looking to continue to do that so go go for it continue to donate also go to www.truthforhealth.org that's truthforhealth.org join our crusade we are silent no more sign up for our email alerts and check out all our resources that we provide for medical advice to ministry help and constitutional right information also, if you want to find more of these whistleblower reports, go to our website and you'll see the whistleblower tab right there at the top. Click on it and you can find all these great stories in these on the scene reports. So we thank you. This is Mike Gary signing off. Thank you for joining us today on the whistleblower report from Truth for Health Foundation. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org. Join our crusade. We are silent no more. We urge you to sign up for our email alerts, donate to support our legal defense work to secure the human and civil rights secured by law, and to live our lives in accordance with the U.S. Constitution and God's truth. We are here to bring you hope and solutions for such a time as this. With all that is assaulting our way of life, join us and stand strong against the lies and deception and speak out, get loud, get involved. God bless you and thank you for joining us.